welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS <laughs> Radio, <laughs> <laughs> on the airways at four eighty-seven fifty-two. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is Megan and Kelsey about to do some cowboy shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Um. Just before we hit record, Kelsey talked about being an old woman, and I saw a thing uh, on Instagram, maybe, the other day. Instagram, Twitter, I don't know. And it's like, if you were born in the 80s, you were older than Marv was in Home Alone. No! Yeah. <laughs> no, you... No. Apparently, what? yes, apparently. I don't, I don't, I don't like the rules. I just, uh, yeah, I'm just the messenger. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. I wish, I wish you would have told me this. <laughs> well, I just ruined Kelsey's night, so thank you for I listening. Was See you guys. Struggling, re the intro, as you can tell, and now <laughs> this has really made me. I also saw that um, I'm now older than the parents were in Rugrats. Yep. Which is really upsetting too. What is up with like? I guess it's because we're not smokers but like everybody in that age just looked 15 years older than you know what i saw a picture of the lady that played uh the maid in brady bunch was her name alice yeah i think yeah i saw a picture of her like from the show like with her hair up in that like bun on top of her head or whatever Mm -hmm. and then i saw her someone had like with had generated basically a new hairstyle for her with that was like kind of loose beach waves or whatever and she looked without doing anything to her face easily 10 years younger yeah that's a thing too it's like the the 80s and 90s styling was so awful just aged everybody well like think about the golden girls yeah right like they were in their mid 50s um when the show was on mm-hmm. right like and um i mean betty white just died mm-hmm. <laughs> she was 99 right so like i don't know when yeah like b arthur was only two years i think she was just two years younger than estelle getty who played uh, her mom but i which i just think is really funny um estelle yeah, getty though looked like she had lived eight lifetimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah sicily 1912 you know um <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the single best running gag, I think, on that. Um, so yeah, okay. Is in season one, episode seven, Dorothea stated to be fifty-five. Honestly, so, though, like just living in a house in your fifties with all your best gal pals—that doesn't sound too awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's 55, which means she got married at 17, um, <laughs> according to, because she was with Stan for 38 years. Um, and then I think Rose is, like, kind of, they're all right around the same-ish age. I think Blanche is, like, a couple years younger. Mm-hmm. But they're all, but if you look at them, like, they look, they look like so people old. in their 50s used to look, basically. Yeah. And then you look now, and I mean, I then there's, like, the comparison is, like, oh, look at Jennifer Lopez. I'm like, no, that's not the comparison. She's, like, an outlier for sure. Yeah, that she's but, not what an average person that age looks like. No, but if you look at an average person that age, she, like, they don't look like that anymore. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think, it, I just think it's, uh, 
I think it's really funny um, when we look at, at that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so apparently, yeah, apparently Marv, we are now older. Well, yeah, if you were born in the, in the 80s, you're older than Marv was uh, in Home Alone. That really sucks. That really sucks to hear. That's such a, it's such a weird, like, marker, right? Because Home Alone was such a big deal. Yeah. And the, it's a, almost like, I heard this as well about the cast of Frasier. Like, I bet I'm older than the cast of Frasier was on that show, and yet, to me, they're always 30 years older than me. Um, yeah. Kelsey Grammer, would you like me to ruin your life here a little bit? No. Um, <laughs> um, Kelsey, okay, Ted Danson was 35 in season one of Cheers. Okay, I, that, I get. Yeah, that, that's um, fine to me. Rhea Perlman was also thir- was thirty four mm-hmm. when it started, so they're the same age. Kelsey Grammer was twenty seven. What? I know, but if you look at him, like he's just he the anyway because he's balding, yeah, he on, looks yeah. But on Cheers, he looked quite younger. Yeah, because Frasier wasn't immediately after Cheers ended, was it? No, no. Um. Where else here? What else do we got? Um, coach doesn't count. Woody Harrelson was 24 in the fourth season when he joined. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ted Danson was 35. Rip Perlman was 34. Shelley Long was 33. Um, and so, yeah. She was 33 when it started. Uh, John Ratzenberger... <laughs> What's thirty-five? I was gonna say there's no way he's under forty. Come on. Yeah, according to this, uh, Kirstie Alley was thirty-six. She uh, George, great. she looked fucking yeah. great. George Went was thirty-four. Um, and then uh, Fraser's wife, she BB Nurse, she was twenty-seven as well. Um. That's insane. I, That's I've insane. been rewatching some. I've been rewatching Seinfeld too, just because it's like easy comfort thing. I went over and dropped off some calendars at a friend's house the other night, and he was watching Seinfeld while he was cooking dinner, and I just thought it was funny, um, because just because. Um, so the character ages. So when the show starts, um, they're like, we don't know for sure because there's some confusion in like the way that some of the timelines are, but, like, Jerry's, like, 35-ish when the show starts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, and Elaine... Elaine was apparently tw- supposed to be 27. I mean, I think they definitely act younger than they are supposed to be. I think so, too. If I had friends who were up to the inane shenanigans they were at that age, I'd be like, it's fucking over, man. I don't have (laughs) the mental capacity to deal with you and this horseshit right now. Yeah. Jason Alexander was 29 when the pilot first aired, but here's, this is the interesting thing. The thing you just said that, like, no matter how old you get, those characters will always be that much older. Mm-hmm. Someone here says the same thing about Seinfeld characters, that no matter how hard I try to imagine it, they will always appear 20 years older than me. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's, like, just, like, absolutely... It's absolutely crazy. 
Yeah, um, I just like I wanna I wanna know like what what is it? Is it because we don't our generation like really isn't smokers? Is it? I think that's part of it. I think I think it's that we're not smokers. I think it's that we hydrate more. I like I think Post-cold that that's part of it. War question yeah. mark. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think that there's more of a focus now on like you know skincare and like that kind of stuff. That's in that's a way that true. wasn't just yeah. like there's this lady on on. Uh, Instagram. I think she might be on TikTok too, but I see her stuff on Instagram. And she's like, um, basically, she's younger than me. She might be your age, maybe a little bit younger, but she's talking about like basically going out like in the 2000s, right? Like in, in college and wearing like jeans and a going out top and also like just scrubbing the absolute shit out of your face with like the St. Ives facial scrub, which is so oh, bad for you. Oh my and, like, God. I know the all little, of that like, stuff. Seed stuff. Is she the one who's like really tall with the curly hair? Uh, yeah, her hair's curly, but she often straightens it. She's often doing it, and she plays, like, four different characters, and because it'll be, like, in her conversations in her college Yes. Style. The one yes. who just did the video about the chi hair straightener? Yes. Yes. Okay, I've seen her. There's also a really funny one who's, um, this blonde woman. She's got, like, a really gorgeous round face, and she'll <laughs> put on her makeup like she did in high school in the 2000s. Yes, like, the and her extensions lips. where you can see the, like... <laughs> And it's and it's so funny because she's got like she's got like the foundation on her lips and like oh man it's yes. so funny and yes. then like the back of her hair is just like teased and there's like freaking extensions just like glued to the outside of her yeah. head oh I swear man. sometimes she makes it look like sometimes I swear to God she uses like scotch tape sometimes to put them in yeah like it's they're so, so bad fucking good and then so she'll good. use her like her her like contemporary self as like her mom her mom yeah it's oh man like, it's so Katie, funny are you sure and she's like yeah mom you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> well the thing that I was, I've been seeing pop up now is how um people have kept their like mint and coral clothes and they're like starting to come back I fucking love yes I saw that too and I was like fuck yeah this is and also peplum tops are coming back Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking love to Peplum. You would know this being across the hall from me when mm-hmm. we were teaching together. Love to Peplum top. Oh, my God. Well, it's funny because on the Old Navy website, I don't know if they have it right now, but for a while they had uh, part of one of their categories in the women's clothing was jeans and a going out top. Fuck uh, off. Which was yes. very... And then this is just like super recently. It was very funny. <sighs> love that. And a long, yeah. long dangly necklace. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's there's some things that are really, really funny, but looking at, like, the, that fashion and sort of the way that that, like, you know, the, the way that things are, like, being recycled, ultimately, um, it's just, like, it's just really funny to me. But I think, going back to the age question, I think that, like, people, generally speaking, take better care of themselves. Yeah, I think so, too. Now? And, like, don't, and people don't want wrinkles, and they don't want, you know, so they do their, like, 17-step skincare routine to prevent those things from happening but even like men look better like I don't think there's a ton of men who are adhering to that just on like an average basis but like everybody looks way better uh, yeah I don't know what yeah it they is. do it's true well I like I work with some people you'll know who I'm talking about but I'm not gonna say it um I work with some people who are younger than me but like are roughly the same age and appearance alone 
there's a bunch of like differences that we could talk about, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We could just talk if we were just to look at pictures of their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, one looks like he's like old shoe leather, uh, and the other one just doesn't. Yeah, totally. For like a bunch of reasons, uh, I think part of it is like, um, I think part of it is uh, you get what you uh, put out, you get back what you put out in the world. <laughs> oh, karma, be a bitch. Um, but I think that's part of it. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, and on the other hand, the one who looks like a normal human being uh, was at work yesterday. And texted me while I was on my way to work and told me to go pick up a coffee that they ordered ahead for me. Oh, that's so nice. Because it was, it was, it was uh, his day to buy coffee because I do Thursdays, he does Fridays, and uh, he wasn't there and bought coffee anyway. And I thought that was very nice. You know what? That's really nice. That's yeah. A plus cool. human. A plus for sure. You know what? I know we said we were going to do one thing, but now that we're talking about it. I feel like we need to do the reversey and talk about the crown first just because I really enjoyed the early to mid 2000s fashions on the latter half of this new season of the crown. (laughs) It was great. I mean, I enjoyed the like the 90s fashions in the first half with Diana because like she could have worn a burlap sack and been the most beautiful woman in the world. And just looked Um, fabulous in everything. And while other people wearing the same stuff look like fucking garbage. She looked amazing picture of Diana that I will like that it sort of sticks in my mind when I think about her I think about her in that revenge dress just yes. because but I also think about her in those like lycra shorts and that like I think it's a Harvard Over, sweatshirt yeah the oversized yeah. sweater yeah yeah with like you know like the the sneakers or whatever I think about that a lot that there's a lot of people who even now are try- would try that and just like could not even totally. if they wanted to like just she could make legitimately anything look good. And, like, young people now are attempting it. Like, it's... It, she's inspo for a lot of stuff even today. It's really, really bizarre. Like, I think it was Haley Bieber did a whole ad campaign, pretty much, mm-hmm. on just remaking those, like, casual outfits Diana would step out in, which is nuts yeah. to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but so, yeah, let's talk about the crown. Everything Kate Middleton wore, I was like, yes! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> me too. Mm-hmm. I see myself in her. It's absurd. The v-neck long sleeves, the jeans with the big chunky belt, the long necklaces. Oh, loved it. Yeah, loved it's, it. well, and it's one of those things, like, we're in that, um, we're, we're in, in that age range where like that was stuff that we were wearing too so like it feels for the first time like it's something that we can actually like identify with yeah in a way um but they had just so much to play with like the thing that caught me too was when the after diana's death spoilers Mm. i guess i don't know (laughs) she died in real life sorry um when they went on that ski trip to whistler like i remember that oh do you as a thing that happened yes because i was like 14? 14 when she died? Yeah. Um, but I remember them going to Whistler and it being, like, such a big deal. Um, but I had to look up, like, what they wore, actually, and, like, they got it pretty close, all things considered. Yeah. Um, but whoever did their costuming this year, like, for, for some of the stuff, I think, in the old, earlier seasons, I think it's actually probably easier to style than, yeah. like, that late 90s, early 2000s stuff, because it was such a weird mishmash of, like, 
textures and a bunch of really awful stuff shapes and (laughs) fabrics that are unnatural to the eye (laughs) yes a lot of polyester and lycra and reflectiveness and yucky 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 yeah yeah absolutely um so what were your impressions of the last have we talked about the first half of the season i can't remember we haven't no because i just watched it three days ago um it was okay. I wasn't as... I found that the modern stuff, I didn't really connect to emotionally as I did previously. And it felt too much like just a... A little bit of, like, millennial fantasy fiction. You know what I mean? Like, yes, these are the types of things we remember. And I'm going to write a little speech about this to from one character to the other. And we're going to pretend like this happened. And it just felt so much more slapdash than the previous years did. And I understand why they're trying to fit so much into one season, which I think was a mistake mm-hmm. on their part but yeah. they also really didn't have to drag out the diana stuff for four episodes no but if they were going to drag it out for four episodes they didn't have to go all the way to like uh william and kate meeting a hundred percent a hundred percent like that this the break in the season and the time jumps forward were really disjointed mm-hmm and the yeah it was just really funny I just felt myself rolling my eyes a lot and I think I texted you it was more at the seemingly yeah just disingenuous aspects of this season although the one part of it that I really really enjoyed and I thought was really well done was the imagined conversations the characters had with Diana after her death Mm -hmm. I'm really curious what your take is on those because the one shockingly that really emotionally affected me was the Charles and Diana one Mm mm-hmm and the I felt the other two, like Dodie and his father and, and Diana and the Queen, I thought those were like particularly self-serving to the characters. Like the characters imagining it each got significant like reinforcement for their actions and justification for their actions rather than allowing this moment with Diana to be like, you know, I failed you on this level. But I think Charles actually felt that and it felt like Mm -hmm. that that grief and that regret was real and was yes pretty genuine and then I texted you because I was like I can't fucking believe I'm feeling sympathy for Charles and even Philip this season Mm -hmm. after what they had done to each other and other people throughout this show and that really surprised me I felt way less 
for William and Harry thought they were so annoying and I couldn't connect to them at all especially Harry because the actor they cast for the latter half of the season looked like a fucking serial killer yeah I was well especially in that it was like the second last episode or whatever and they were talking about that story about like the the other princes named William and Harry and like Harry killed William or whatever and he's like I won't do that to you and I was like what the fuck yeah, it was it was a lot. And you can tell that like Peter Morgan pulled stuff from Harry's book and in their interviews to put into the show. Yes. Which was wild yes. to me. It was just yeah, it felt way too gossipy and way less what it felt like before, which was like a historical deep dive. Because you mm-hmm. Remember in the first couple seasons where you'd watch an episode and there'd be a title card or two at the end. It'd be like, you know, this is further context of what happens, yada, yada, yada. And yes, that lended some legitimacy to, you know, the dramatic licenses that they were taking in these events and characters. And this one has just felt like, did the Daily Mail write this? <laughs> you know, like it, it felt, it felt bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it. It almost would have been better served if they had made a different timing decision. Yes, like if they, because I feel like you have to obviously you can't just like gloss over Diana dying. Obviously, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what they could have done was spent a little bit more time, like either spent spent the time differently and either spent one more episode dealing with like the actual after effects of her death. And yeah. not just, like... Because I don't think they did a great job of it until, like, later on. Or cut an episode from the Diana stuff. Mm-hmm. And had one one or two more to kind of deal with, like, the later on. Like, maybe even leading up to, like, um, William and Kate getting engaged, potentially. Totally. Because uh, I think there's some, like, really interesting stuff. But I thought... I found that, that exchange between William and Harry to be really interesting. Because I was like, oh, this is very much, like... You know, this this is what they, they wish that they could have, you know, Harry and Meghan in here somehow. Totally. But or it's even not like, happening. If you're going to have these, you know, subtle stabs and digs at Harry and, you know, show him as this, which he readily admits to being is like a totally out of control party boy, then like what for the purpose of the show, which is to really it's about queen elizabeth but it's about the the function of the crown as an you know mm-hmm. ephemeral concept like the storyline should reinforce that and i don't yes. think that that tension between harry and william or harry and his father or even william and his father it ever really did that because there was no real payoff Except for when Philip got to be a father for the first time in his life to yes. <laughs> to William, ironically. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, and the other thing, too, that I thought was really weird is, like, <laughs> speaking of, like, weird shit that I don't know why they, like, spent the time on. Like, that nightmare that Elizabeth has when she wakes up and Tony Blair's, like, the oh new Oh, my king. God, I that was, was like, so fucking funny. I was like, I cannot wait to talk to Megan about this. No, king I, to me, I'm... To me, I was just like, are we, is this just, like, V for Vendetta? Like, when Stephen Fry gonna show up? Like, that was the 100%. the kind of thought that I had about, because I was like, I get that, you know, 
I understand that she was probably panicking at points about, you know, things that are going on and stuff and like, and sort of how she's, you know, being perceived and stuff. But like, I don't know, you're the fucking queen. Like, it doesn't matter how unpopular you are. Because like when that's brought to her attention, Charles is always like, we need to modernize. We need to adapt. And her and Philip are just like, no, we won't. (laughs) And then she has visions of her older self being like, no, you won't. (laughs) <laughs> you're just like okay then like what's like where where is this going right like what is this serving to the story of these people yeah yeah if like what's what's happening yeah what's happening here that's causing that's causing this ultimately totally it's like oh yeah. we have a warden of the swans and they're like laughing about that and then she like which I thought was really adorable when they, like, interviewed all the people from this list that the government had made them about, like, these are ways you can cut costs and modernize and, you know, appeal to the public, whatever. And she just, like, falls in love with each of these people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. But again, I was just like, what, like, what is this serving? We've already seen this nearly exact episode before in previous years about how out of touch they are you know it's Mm -hmm. like yeah it it just felt like very much a rehash of a rehash of a rehash of stuff that they had previously addressed which in a way i think kind of fits with what the monarchy is right because it's just the same shit over and over and over again oh totally right like like all of the all of the things that that go on and all of like the controversies and whatever they're all the same thing which like, I think it's... is why we really enjoyed the Diana seasons because it was a turning on its head of what everyone was going through, right? Like there was yes. so much verve and energy and drama that she brought to the family and the show just with the incredible casting that made it interesting again, right? Yeah, and and the casting for Diana, I think, was, like, spot on all the way through. Um, And I honestly am very... I I thought Imelda Staunton was great. She's got that, like... Mm -hmm. And I thought... Yeah, and I thought Jonathan Price was really good. Yeah, Um, I did, too. I didn't enjoy him last season. I think the first season when you switch new actors is always very jarring. mm -hmm. But I felt like this season he really quite fell into it and really really demonstrated something that yeah I didn't expect to feel empathy for him whatsoever and yet like when he's watching Charles hug William I was sobbing I didn't sob during any of the Diana stuff at all and then there was something about fathers and sons and I was like Jesus Christ here Mm -hmm. we go Mm The one thing that bothers me about the show, and I, I, I know this is like probably pretty, pretty accurate, is how they call their moms mummy. Oh, like you are a fucking grown man. Stop. <laughs> like just fucking stop. And it's fine for the kids to call them granny because that's what they are, right? Yes. Granny and granddad, but for you to say mummy as a, like how old is Charles now? Fifty five in the best season. Yes. 55 plus? Yeah. And it's so funny to be when they're talking about, or they're floating this idea of her considering, you know, stepping aside to let mm-hmm. who she says, Charles, who's in the prime of his life. And I was like, is he? 
Is 55 the British <laughs> age of prime in your life? What? It might have been for her. True. That's true. You know, maybe maybe that's where that comes from. Maybe for her, it was that. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. That could but, be. But, like, yeah, no, it's just, like, it's all bizarre. It's, the whole thing is just, like, absolutely absurd. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, you're right. Feeling empathy for Charles and, and Philip was, like, very unexpected. And in particular ways, I also thought that in the last couple episodes after Harry wore the swastika yep. at that party, that that phone call that Philip makes to the store about how, like, the costume was, like, Wasn't historically even accurate. inaccurate. I think, like, that's the kind of pedantic shit that you would expect, but also I thought that was absolutely hysterical. That, like, he wasn't even offended, like, he wasn't upset at all that his grandson wore a Nazi whatever at, um, <laughs> at a party, but that, like, the uniform he was wearing shouldn't have had the Nazi insignia because, because. The African <laughs> corpse didn't wear it, yeah. Yeah, like, like I just thought that was so funny. But also so typical for what we know about Prince Philip being just, like, a, a terrible person. A pedant, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, man, I thought that, like, that cracked me up. I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was one another moment where I actually, oh, the Queen's speech at Charles's wedding was fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what, what wit and, like, what good humor and warmth for someone who could be through all that she had been through and then really have a sharp eye for what the criticisms of her and her family and the way that you can have a room feel like they are a part of your jokes. It was incredible. I thought that mm-hmm. that that whole shot and scene and all of this stuff about Charles Wedding, I thought it was really, really well done. I thought so too, and I thought that like it was um it shows and I think the one thing about the show that like regardless of some of the stuff that I don't agree with, um mm-hmm. It shows that they're human beings mm-hmm. and that there's like some humanity attached to these people, even if, uh, even if they're all just fucking sociopaths, <laughs> like, 100%, you know, yeah. it just, it just shows that they're, it just shows that they are human beings and that they have like, you know, some of the same concerns that other normal people may have. But it was so interesting too, because she bucked against any, <sighs> perception of herself as an individual you know like when when margaret Mm -hmm. tried to tell that story about after the war at the ritz on ve day and she like pretty tactfully but noticeably shut that down to say some really nice things about margaret yeah and it's it's really bizarre that well, I guess that's what she's feeling the whole time, but that juxtaposition between individual and symbol. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the Margaret episode? I mean, I, I quite like Margaret, and I thought that, like, she, in her old age, kind of maintained some of the things about her that I liked. Like, I thought they did a really nice job mm-hmm. uh, with that. Um, one of the things that I... Like, I knew, I remembered that she had passed away you know, in like the early 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew that. And I just couldn't remember some of the circumstances, which, and I, I thought it was quite sad, actually, like just the, the way that, the way that things ended for her. Um, but I liked the bit how, when she comes back, when she's in hospital uh, in London, um, how you get to see this like really 
kind and caring relationship between the two sisters. Yeah. That for all of Margaret's foibles and, you know, transgressions and all of the things that she did that probably aged her sister uh, prematurely, Mm -hmm. um, that she still, you know, that there was still all of this love between them. Um, oh, and totally. it was, I thought that was very lovely to see and see it demonstrated and like, they, you know, they knew, they knew that this was the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to deal with that necessarily. And I thought that there was just something sort of nice and refreshing about that. Yeah. I thought it was, there was something refreshing about the conversations of Margaret being like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die and you need to be okay with this. And Elizabeth's like, no, you got years left. And she's like, no, I don't. And like, Mm -hmm. you need to listen to what all the funny shit that I want to happen at my funeral because I'm an absolute firecracker. (laughs) And yeah, she's the best. (laughs) Yeah. And those like those promises they're making to each other, like so beautiful. I thought that was such a such a sort of sad turn of events because she had so many losses so quickly after yes. each other. And yes. Yeah, M- Margaret's life was very, very sad. Yeah, and then for Elizabeth to lose her and then, you know, lose a Porchy, who obviously meant a lot to her as a younger woman, and then lose her mother, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Even though her mother was just, like... <laughs> too old <laughs> too old yeah just yeah too old there was no yeah no, there's nothing she was just too old there's nothing more she's, to say about her there's just she's just too old she's from literally a different time yes yes and uh yeah i don't know i thought uh i thought that was i thought that was interesting like because she didn't whoever they cast to play the Queen Mother, like, does not look anything like the Queen Mother. No. Um, Too thin. And which, which was disappointing to me in, in certain ways because I thought they could have done a little bit better sort of dealing with that. But at the same time, like, it didn't really matter. She wasn't in it for enough to, like, yeah. make a huge deal out of it. True. And she really is in this last season especially, like, essentially just comic relief. But it's not comic relief. It's just like, oh, this is just really sad. This is a mm-hmm. really old woman who has seemingly no empathy for her daughter after she has multiple strokes and like severely burns herself Mm -hmm. and she's like well I don't need any mobility aids and it's like could you just fucking quit it and listen to what your daughter's going through because she's gonna die before you do like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what the fuck yeah that was uh yeah I thought that was pretty that was pretty like but maybe that maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's just part of that, you know, that dynamic, right? That's like true. I don't know. That's true. Um, part of the, you know, tears or self pity and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This not, family not <laughs> This family is not going to do well with the grief of Diana because tears and grief are not self pity and that's mm-hmm. a crazy thing to say. <laughs> Yes. Well, and one of the things, too, that I found interesting was, like, later on when, um, you know, William and and Charles were talking about Diana. Mm-hmm. And William's like, well, you never talk about her. And I, I mean, I get it. He's still a kid. So, like, I understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, I'm like, why would he talk? 
Yeah. It's his like, ex-wife. Right? It's his like, ex-wife. And, and it's honestly none of your business what their relationship had become. Totally. Either. Although it seemed pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, they seem to be doing the co-parenting thing okay now that the divorce had finalized and that i thought that scene of diana and charles at the car was quite nice Mm -hmm. and you know i think there's a lot of things that charles advocated for her after her death that he didn't necessarily have to do i seem to remember reading something once about how at her funeral he chose to wear the blue suit that he was wearing um, because it had been her favorite. Yeah. And so, like, there's something about that that even though, you know, they were obviously, you know, divorced and he's in love with Camilla and there's all these things going on, that I think the intention, you know, and I think it's presented this way as well as can be, obviously, without her around to, like... Mm -hmm. To have known what would have happened yeah. later on. But I think their intention was very likely to co-parent as, you know, copacetically as possible. Totally. Um, knowing that at the end of the day, like, they're, that they have the future king of England in their family. Yeah. And that, like, you know, they, yeah, I'm sure no one expected her to die at 36, which also, that's fucking wild. That she was 36 when she died. Um but no one expected that, obviously. And so when they their divorce agreement and whatever was going on, like, she was still going to be the mother of the King of England. Mm-hmm. Regardless of, of what happened. And so, you know, she had to be, even though she wasn't in the royal family anymore, she had to be treated well enough that, like, they could coexist. Yeah, but it didn't seem like that was a begrudging... No, no. ...situation at the end there. But, yeah, it was just... Yeah, it was just, it was really, and it's always like this in what has essentially become like an anthology series, but tonally it just seemed all mm-hmm. over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny, I was reading some stuff too about the casting and the people were like, oh, they picked people who look just like William and Harry. I'm like, have you seen them? Because no, they did not. No. The only thing this William had was that William's hair in that brief time. When he was still, like, super hot before the evil took over, and... (laughs) 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 I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, and Harry looked absolutely fucking nothing. I thought the younger Harry looked more like him, but it was still, like, a fucking long shot. Yes. I also thought, too, the guy that played him, like, as, you know, the young adults, like, the one in the end of the season, I, to me, he looked like a young Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> like, that's yes! who I kept thinking of. Oh, my of. God, that's exactly it. That's and exactly it. And I was like, I it. don't know if I would have picked this guy for this particular role. <laughs> no, and it's like, you can make anybody a redhead nowadays. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, it just, it, whatever. It didn't work out. I thought the girl they picked as Kate was fantastic though. She was. I thought I thought she was really I thought she was like I thought she was good and she she was well chosen. Mhm. I thought she was um, like she did great in all the scenes she was in. Like they picked really competent Mhm. people to play these like youngsters. And the um can we talk about her mother though? 
Ah, uh, yes. In some fucking moves out of Bridgerton or Pride and Prejudice, this was wowzers. This was a conniving and scheming mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah nice. so I mean, apparently apparently this is, like, not inaccurate either. Apparently there was lots of that. Like, she was very much, she's a social climber. Because um, I remember, like, I remember reading about when they first got engaged. Because, like, there was all this speculation when they were in college, like, if they were together because they were living together and all this kind of stuff. And um, But I remember when they were, like, it was official that they were a couple and she, like, went to watch him at, like, one of his polo matches and, like, all this nonsense. Um, and her family owned, like... Like, they're not, they're not poor, obviously. But they're but new like, money. They're new, very new money, yes. Yeah. And they, they were, like, I don't know if they, I want to say they owned, like, a party supply store and, like, yes. turned it into, like, a bit of an empire. Yeah. It was mail order, I think. Yeah, something. And so, like, but yeah, they got quite wealthy doing it. And that's great, right? Like, good for them. Um, but yeah, her mom was very much a social climber. And, uh... So, like, it's not surprising that her mom would have, like, put it into her head that, like, you know, she should aspire uh, and sort of, like, you know, aspire to something greater than where she was. Which is really interesting because at the, like, when she's sitting down and talking to Kate after Kate's, like, cutting the Williams picture out of the magazine, she has this big speech about, like, how, you know, when, when I met your father, like, I was nothing. Like, I was an air stewardess and he Mm -hmm. was the one that had, you know, the good family and the good job and yada, yada, yada. And he eventually quit his job to work for me and what I built. And it's not about like being good enough for someone. It's about that person being good enough for you. And that's pretty counter to what her actions were. It seems like. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a surprise. But, I mean, apparently, like, I, I, this is, like, pretty common knowledge that she was very much that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, this isn't... For, this is what I saw something actually on Twitter, like, probably half an hour before we started recording, talking about that. And it was just, like, I can't believe that this is what they portrayed. And someone's like, oh, it's funny to me that, like... People don't know? It's funny, well, that people don't know and that Americans are, like, just finding out, basically. Oh, I see. Because uh, it's definitely, like, what... What it was in the past. What... Well, yeah, and that's what it was in the past. <laughs> like, yeah. is that not why Diana was also considered a good match for Charles? Like, aren't these all about, like, quote-unquote, making good matches? Like, it really hasn't changed mm-hmm. that much. Well, yeah, it's it's about it's about making good matches, and it's about having, like, you know, the best... I guess the keeping keeping things close, right? Mm-hmm. As close as you can as you can make them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Diana, she was royal, right? Like not royal, but they were in in the aristocracy at least. Um, her family. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Right? Like, aren't they? You know, like go back a couple ge- generations, and they're related. Uh, yeah, they're they're not. Yes, that is. Uh, that is accurate. They are right. Like it's not somewhere down the line. It's all in the same general grouping of people. You're just picking different parts of it, I guess. But yeah, but where yeah, the Middletons are newer money, and so like there was that whole that whole thing um, where yeah, I found I found her mother just to be so like I don't know smarmy, you know, in yeah, a way that like yeah. in a way that like female characters often aren't. Yes. 
hundred percent. And I found her. I found her very off-putting in that respect. Totally. Oh, I wanted to ask you too because um, I was watching the very end of the last episode, and when Philip and uh, I was gonna say Diana, that's not her fucking name, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. are speaking in the St. George's Chapel in, in Windsor just before she does her long walk, you know, into oblivion sort of thing. Yeah. Um, some young boys were setting off fireworks into my backyard, so I didn't actually hear what that <laughs> conversation was about. <laughs> so if you could clarify that for me, that would be so su- It was already like midnight and I was like, I'm too fucking tired to rewind and continue this. So that's so funny. <laughs> Was it, like, good? (laughs) I mean, it was fine. I don't know. I think it was... I I thought that ending actually was kind of weird in a lot of ways. Um, Because, like, I get what they were trying to do. And they... Yes, it's called The Crown, but it is about um, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're trying to bring it back sort of full circle to... um, You know, to her and... Kind of her and Philip and their partnership... Because mm-hmm. in the beginning, that's, you know, in the very, very beginning, yeah. that's what it is, right? And then it, you know, deviates from that and then kind of comes back to it. But essentially, they're reflecting on, like, her legacy and, you know, what's going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, and he obviously doesn't want her to give up the throne either. Um, and she doesn't want to give it up. And But they just, they, they talk about sort of the things that they've achieved and what's going to happen at the point when she's no longer on the throne and it's not really anything like super. I don't know. It's poignant not. I don't think it's anything super poignant in in a way that it's, because uh, I found the finale itself to be like a little bit messy. Yeah, a hundred percent. And but I think that was the attempt to like bring it back to, you know, the their partnership at, you know, from the very beginning. Totally, but I think a better ending point would have been the jubilee celebration. Yeah. Right? Like, have it end, like, on that high, have, you know, her her kids doing somewhat okay, and that was still a time when she was also, like, reflecting on her legacy and, you know, becoming one of the longest-serving monarchs in history and all of that. Like, why mm-hmm. not end there rather than this really artificial point of Charles marrying Camilla. Like, the, that takes place when they're still there celebrating that. Like, it just seemed mm-hmm. like a very yeah, messy place to do it. Well, what's really interesting, so in, in Esquire wrote a, 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 like, it's sort of explaining the finale, and I'm just going to read this to you. I think this is, this is really, really fascinating. So the question is, um, you know, like, when she's dismisses at that point, she's been the queen for 53 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of, lots of things that have, that decisions she's made that have displeased people in her family. And like, as we know all of this, right. Mm-hmm. The question in this article is how do you break a cycle when it's the only life, you know, and then the next paragraph, that's seemingly the question they want us to consider. Even after the credits roll, the crown ends in 2005 with the queen deciding to continue her reign after she briefly 
considers stepping down from her position. Since then, the royal family has been deeply entrenched in scandal, including everything from alleged racism to sexual abuse. Prince William married Kate Middleton, and his wedding was viewed by millions around the world. Later, Prince Harry married Meghan Markle, a biracial American, and both of them suffered abuse from the tabloids. Eventually, they abandoned their royal duties, perhaps as a result of veering away from the realm Queen Elizabeth speaks about in the show, and experienced even more criticism for it. Numerous grandchildren entered the world and were promptly compared to their notorious family. The Queen died. Now Charles and his wife Camilla run the throne. All the while, the world studied their every move as if they were watching a reality show. The Crown's mix of fact and fiction only fuels the fire, giving us all more material to obsess over. It's fascinating because, like, there's so much stuff that has happened in the 18 years since the show since ends. Since then, yeah. And, I mean, they didn't have to go all the way, obviously, to her death. Like, that's fine. Because you don't... We didn't need to cast Maggie Smith for two episodes to play the, like... No. And it was still... The like, they started filming just when she died, too, for the season. So it's like... Yes. You're not going to rewrite everything just to fit that. But it also, like... Yeah, it also just felt like a bizarre... Mm-hmm. A bizarre place. I did, however, appreciate the fact that it was at St. George's Chapel at Windsor because that's where her and Philip are interred together. And I've seen it. Yes. I was there in June and I cried. <laughs> yeah, so and, and silly. but it was, I cried. it was. I didn't no, know. Why. That's, that's not silly at all. I think that's, that's just fine. Um, but no, I think that was nice too because it's also it's it's one of those smaller places where yeah. one of my favorite things about the show is that most of the good character stuff happens in the small places when they're at Balmoral and it's just family or you know like or for Margaret when she's like off was she in the Barbados is that where she had her stroke somewhere um, yeah. you know and it's just like but the good stuff happens when it's away from the public mm-hmm. right and so that to have for them to have that conversation and and stuff there to know that like yes that you know is where they are interred together mm-hmm. is kind of nice because even despite all of the things and all of the ways that like philip was maybe not the greatest um that was her partner totally from beginning to end like there was no no question right and so i think that like having that um having that little call back to i think that was a really nice moment um, but I felt, I thought it was weird at the very end when, uh, Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman are like watching. Staring I was like, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was weird. I didn't mind her having conversations with her younger self. I thought that was interesting, yeah. but I don't think we needed to see all three iterations of her. Totally. Or the, the fourth one where, what's the bad thing she did that she doesn't want anyone to hear about? <gasps> she danced with a black man. <laughs> Well, I mean, yes. I feel like Philip would have hated to to know about that. <laughs> oh man, it just like I was like, what the fuck are they gonna show us? Like, what, what could this yeah. be that she doesn't want anyone to hear about? And I was like, oh man. Z. I also thought it was really interesting. I obviously would have left everything about Prince Andrew out of the show, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think as a result of that, I feel like they also left everything about Prince Edward out of the show as well. Yeah. And he's, like, an unproblematic royal. Totally. I think he's in, what, one scene when they're talking about um, the, like, modernization. He, like, pipes up and says one thing and is quickly mm-hmm. shot down or something like that. And it's, like, I don't know. Again, it's, like, why... 
if you're not gonna continue these storylines, like why have them at all? Like don't don't yes. put them in if it's if it's not gonna be valuable in the long term. So it just yeah. It seemed like they were trying to do a yeah. lot, but it wasn't really successful overall. Yeah, and in the first like the first seasons when like the kids are kids, it's fine to have them there yeah. because it's part of like the that sort of growing up. But like as adults, I just thought, it would be, and I mean, you have to leave Andrew out of this for a whole bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I'm. Um, you know, just, I'm just looking here, like, he did some stuff, like, you know, he got married in 1999, um, and started a production company, or a theater, yeah, television production company, and then in 2002, started as a full-time working member of the royal family, and he's now, now holds patronage for over 70 charities and organizations, which is a lot, Uh uh, and so for them to just leave that out, I think, and he's, like, now currently the Duke of Edinburgh, like, that's... You know, so I think I feel like for them to leave that out, I feel like that's a little bit like, I don't know. There's something there's something about that that's like, I, and I don't know if it's because they left Andrew out that they just also decided to leave him out as well. But they also um, didn't do very much with Anne at all this season. Either. Not this season, but they've done more with her in the in past. past. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just I found that they just an interesting choice. And again, if we spend a little bit less time maybe with the Diana stuff or maybe with but except that that's the interesting stuff, right? That, or that people know about and so they want to see, you know, the iteration of that. Yeah, but also not to I was surprised that they didn't have really anything with the Spencer family mm-hmm. whatsoever. Like they had all the stuff with Dodie after just like, you know, really feeding into and fueling these conspiracy theories about mm-hmm. her being assassinated and, and all of this stuff, but there was really zero Spencer representation whatsoever, which I was surprised because her brother was so vocal and so much of a champion of her after her death and in the press, and it just seemed very interesting to also leave him out. Mm-hmm. Even if it was just, I think, I believe there was a shot of him when they're all walking behind the coffin, but it's not even a speaking role, you know? Right. Very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I found that there was some, there was some weird stuff. Um, on the whole, I think like the first probably three seasons were better. Better. The quality, I think has, has like dropped, but I think it's also hard I think one of the reasons is in the early seasons, it's stuff that a lot of people who consider themselves to be, like, royal watchers might not have known about because it's, like, stuff from the 50s and 60s and whatever. Whereas now these are things that, like, people who are watching remember, right? And so yeah. I think it's it's harder to tell that story and it, yeah, because it's, it's stuff a, that we recognize. It's such media oversaturation now with what the paparazzi can do and yeah all of that stuff they sort of attempted to address in the diana years for sure but um yeah i agree it's it's more living memory right Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that that's like a that's that's maybe the criticism um but like i don't know i think when it started, it was just, it was so good and so, so compelling. And I just think that it's just harder, I think, to surprise people and sort of keep people super interested as the stories become more familiar. Yeah. Which is, again, why I think, like, they're no stranger to adjusting timelines and moving things around and putting a person here and putting a person there where maybe they weren't. It's like, 
pick better stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the there were six episodes in the latter half all dealing with essentially William. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was boring as shit. It wasn't compelling at yeah. all. Well, and I mean, they alluded to like Harry's, you know, service in the military and stuff. I would have loved to actually see that. A hundred percent. Because as we, you know, I remember like the tabloids and stuff when he was, before he did that and he was, you know, at that party with the swastika, all that kind of stuff. And then he joined the military. And there was that story about like that wild party when he was like, when they were in Calgary. Uh, I do remember that. But he like grew up, right? And it would have been nice to see him sort of come out of that service. So like maybe then you end in... 2010 maybe with the wedding right with like William and Kate's wedding instead of yeah you know them graduating from college or whatever and maybe then that it sort of gives them it sort of it wraps up it wraps up the story because the story starts before you know Elizabeth and Philip get married but that's one of the very early things that happens and so then maybe having like here this is the the person who's third in line to the throne getting married and this is sort of like this you know 55 year documentary essentially that might have been a better ending point yeah well because in the like in the first part of that first season she isn't queen her father's still alive Mm -hmm. and so it would have been nice to have that same situation after the fact where it's like the prepping for the next generation which for her she clearly wasn't thinking really about charles it was more about william Mm -hmm. so why not follow that more and look at Mm -hmm. yeah who his partner is and how they're integrated into being a working royal and yada 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 right like it it seemed like a very arbitrary place but yes yeah Yeah. but i mean i also wonder if too if it was they looked at you know some of the backlash that they got from running the show um, at, from the royal family and some of the, you know, how there's, you know, staunch, uh, you know, denials of some of the things that are shown on screen and those sorts of things. And they just decided maybe it was better to do as, to do less speculation. Yeah, I mean. And that, that might've been the way to do it. Anyway, it was, I mean, it's, it was good. I enjoyed that it happened. I enjoyed that the show was, was made. I really liked it and I was very excited to watch it. Didn't think I was going to watch all six last night but i did (laughs) yep i also finished all six yesterday um and it was like it was good i enjoyed it it was uh it was it was well done i think as you know we went on we mentioned it before but like the casting got a little bit worse as as Mm -hmm. things went on um which again i think in the older seasons having people who like don't remember what some of those people necessarily looked like in real life was probably a little bit easier Totally, and I think we're to do. we give a little bit more license to it, it for people who have passed. Like, was John Lithgow a great Churchill? No, no. <laughs> but like, there there was something there that was charismatic and interesting to watch, and so we were like, okay, we'll go with yes. it, right? Whereas that's yeah. much harder when it's still living people and you know memories that you yourself have as an individual of newsworthy moments. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we want to talk about the other thing? Fuck yeah, I want to talk about it. I've got my notes right here. Ready. So much all caps notes, Megan. So much. And it's only three notes. episodes. Like, it's what are we going to do? Because I think, it, is it now? Weekly. 
It's not weekly, so there's what six or seven more. Okay. Yeah, I think five. No, I think there's only eight total. So maybe five more. Oh really? Oh okay. I, I thought know. it was less. I thought it was only eight and not ten. Anyway, whatever. We're talking about Reacher season two. Let's do baby. it. Woo! Woo! Um, did yeah? Did we both mainline all three? I watched my dad texted me at ten o'clock on Thursday night to be like Reacher's out, and I was like, cool, I'll watch one. Nope, just all three before I went to bed. Uh, I was only able to get to it this afternoon because last night I had to finish The Crown knowing that this was coming and I was so, so far behind on it. But, God, it's just such a great show. It's just such a great show. It made me so happy to watch. They've really nailed the end an episode on a cliffhanger Yes. Even if it's not necessarily a cliff tank, a cliffhanger, but like a thrilling enough moment that you're like, well, God damn it, here we go again. Yep. Yeah. Now what? Now what? Oh, you're What's right. It is only it do? is only eight episodes. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I remember it being less, unfortunately. But apparently, it got renewed for season three before it, it did. Uh, I saw that which too. Is- the best. One of my favorite things. So the thing about if you haven't read, and I know we talked about Reacher season one last year or whatever but um if you haven't read any of the books uh one of the things about jack reacher that is i think very compelling from a character perspective is that he has like no ties to anything he doesn't have a home he doesn't have a place which in this particular season he's learning is maybe not the best thing yes because there's stuff that he's missed out on because no one can get a hold of him because he doesn't have a phone and blah 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 blah. um and he gets like like nearly communicates with him through like bank deposits basically um which is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that Reacher in the books, like, is, I don't know, I don't want to say known for, but, like, like, I feel like Neely knows this about him, is that, like, he, in every single book, there's some woman involved, and he sleeps with her, and then never sees her again. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I liked about the first episode of this is that they talked about how long it had been mm-hmm. since that, he had been in Alabama. Yeah. And mentioned a little mention of Roscoe as if she was like still a person that like you know mattered exists somewhere yeah. in the universe which I think she did matter to him a little bit I in a way so that too. in the books we Maybe don't not. necessarily get yeah. that and I get I like that they at least addressed that and that there's a little bit of criticism of the way that he lives from the people that are closest to him yes but without that lifestyle we wouldn't have the great line the asshole snapped my toothbrush in half now I have nothing <laughs> It was pretty good. <laughs> I laughed out loud. God, or I can't, I need a new jacket. This one has blood on it at the yeah. thrift store right after yeah. he bought the jacket. Like, There's so much about that character that is just an absolute delight because he's so ingrained into this lifestyle. And it's... It's really interesting that in the second season, they're already trying to challenge him yes. on that. Like, I know this isn't the second book. This is what, like, frickin' the 10th book or something? 10 or 11 or something, yeah. Yeah, it's way later when we get this, like, development from him. But I really loved how early they put Neely in, because she was not in Killing Floor whatsoever in the book. But they put mm-hmm. her into the show so that they could do this with the second season, which is great, which is him really being challenged by her 
and having these great moments of them together. Like, I just love them just sitting around playing cards, Mm -hmm. doing banter. Like, it's so nice to see him with a normal relationship with a person. Yes. And it's it's a one of those it's a normal enough I mean it's a very abnormal because they never see each other. But it's a normal relationship because whatever it is that they've been through together in the army and doing the things, you know, whatever, they have this connection and she I don't think she agrees with it, but she understands the sort of nomadic Yes. Lifestyle that he's living. But it's also, like, she's not necessarily a quote-unquote normal person either. Like, she's extremely asexual, does not like to be touched, right? Like, is, is very much different and other from him in the same way that he is from other people. So they've got this, like, very interesting friendship where it's like implicit trust Mm -hmm. which I find just so compelling to watch and I also really enjoyed the setup that he did when he put together the special investigators team to (laughs) make them all get in a fight together on the first day they're put together (laughs) in order to be fast friends (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to do, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what you got to do. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just nice to have him razz so much. I also re- he's just got great lines this season. Yeah, but my snap my toothbrush in half. I don't hit soft. Um, and then my other favorite line was, "We're about to do a whole lot of cowboy shit." Obviously, which they end the nearly end the fucking third episode on which was great um also really love the casting of this season like the crew of the special investigators that they put together it's just really nice to see such a diverse group that's so coalesced in such a way Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem forced like the yes. chemistry between between yes. all of them is great. The woman they have playing Dixon is maybe the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life, and that's like insane next to Neely, who is also incredibly gorgeous. And then you've got this little blonde twink O'Donnell mm-hmm. also on the squad, and then mm-hmm. it's just like it's just it's so fun to watch him in a team dynamic. I just love it well yeah because he yeah because he is not a person who works well with the team because he's like he's so and i think the first season does a really good job of setting up why he like doesn't trust anybody yeah um and it takes a long time to let for him to let people in and i think that that's important and so then here we get thrown in and he's got these people that like he trusts implicitly a hundred percent yeah and we don't get we get a little bit of background but we don't get a ton of it and it's kind of nice to know that like there are those people um, and I mean, as soon as Dixon shows up, right, it's like, I'm clearly they're going to fuck. Like that was not going to be that. She's of course going to be the woman in this one, right? Like a hundred percent. Yeah. And then they don't fucking show it. Oh, I know. I was they annoyed. faded to black. Couldn't yeah. believe it. Couldn't believe it. Like we got a sex scene last year. Uh-huh. And a lot more like, cause I just rewatched the first season like this week to get ready for this one just because 
not that I, I knew not? it wasn't, I knew I was going to have nothing to do with it, but I did not care. Um, and yeah, like there was, there was the point in the very first episode in the first one where he like rips the zip ties and Roscoe looks at him like he is a meal and she's starving in the desert. Yeah. Um, and then when they go to the store to buy him new clothes and he like opens the curtain in the change room and doesn't have his shirt on. And she again looks at him like he's another meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but when they're like in the like, ho- he's also very flat about that. Like to him, like his body yes. is his body, whatever. He doesn't necessarily like wield it in a weapon as that way until Dixon shows up. Yes. And to see him so flustered by her was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't well, think you really get that dynamic in other books that much. No, not in the same way. No, like it's it's clear in some of them the way that the women are sort of described. Mm-hmm. Like, and I will give Lee Child a lot of credit. He doesn't describe women the way that like bad male writers describe women. Yes. Um, like her you know her didn't boobily across the yeah. I was just gonna say her breast didn't breastily bounce like. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so he he doesn't do that, which is nice. Um, and I think in the first season. Like, Reacher is just, like, yeah, he's very nonplussed about all of this kind of stuff, right? Because uh, he lives in, you're right, he lives in that body. He knows what he looks like. Mm-hmm. He's well aware. But it's in the first season when they go to, because wherever they are is in Dry County, they go over the line, like, to the bar, yeah. and they dance. And that's, like, the first moment that you see a little bit of, like, a response from him. Yes. Where you're like, okay, clearly these, like, but they've just met. So, like, clearly it's going to happen and they're going to fuck and it just happens later. Whereas this one, you can tell it's going to happen right away. And I assume because of their history, it's going to happen again. Yeah, but it's it's very interesting to see it happening because it's emotional. Like, it yes. felt like Roscoe, he obviously had a very physical connection with. But to him, it didn't mean anything, right? At the end, he mm-hmm. walks away like he walks away from yeah. everybody. But already, you know, two, really two episodes in, because that's when they fuck. But three episodes in, like, he's he's compromised for sure. And he's never yes. compromised in these books in an emotional way. Yes. There's very few things that get him. Yeah. Uh, to sort of... And, and I think that that's just... Part, I, like, I feel like that's the way that they write that is it's just part of his training. He's able to just, like, switch that on and off. Yeah. Where he can, he can beat the living hell out of somebody and feel absolutely nothing. Yeah. No remorse, no guilt, nothing about it. And then he's able to, like, you know, when he's with Neely, when he's with the people that he can let in, he lets that guard down. Totally. Just but a little bit. But he's also very... I wonder if he's on a spectrum. Because he's also very inconsistent with his capacity to be empathetic to anybody. Like, in the start of the season, he helps out that woman, I think not because she's necessarily in distress or that he cares about violence to women, but because he knows it's the wrong thing to do to not help someone. Right. Right? Like, and he doesn't really care about the kid being held hostage or that there is a vulnerable child at all. Mm-hmm. He just knows that when bad people do things, he responds, and that's the right action to take. Like, it's a very... Would love to have a psychologist or a psychiatrist yes. <laughs> assess this guy. Yeah, there's yeah, there's something going on uh, with him, for sure. For sure. 
Um, but no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this so far. And I like, so the premise of this season is that the team is being targeted. Mm-hmm. And so there's, and, and so there's the four of them are still alive and they're trying to figure out who is targeting the rest of the members of their team and why. And why. And like what the rest of the team was involved in that created this situation in the first place, which is that one of the guys was found dead after being thrown out of a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And what um, I do really enjoy is that they are being pretty faithful to what the story was in the book. Because I think, I don't necessarily think that that is an aspect of the adaptation that, like, needs work. I think the stories are fine. You know, they're compelling enough that you read them and there's always... yes some sort of mystery that you're trying to figure out along with him. But I think the dynamic of the team is a real, real plus in just like who they've got cast as these people and how they're incorporating them, I think has been fantastic. Yes, I think so too. And this Um, fucking Russo cop, love this Russo cop guy. He's great. This New York cop, he's fucking great i could not stop laughing when he's they're just he's obviously been like reacher's been arrested because he fucking punched this guy out because he didn't know he was a cop and they are in some interrogation room and o'donnell and russo are like just talking the case just pretty casually like they've decided they're all in the same team and reacher's still handcuffed and he's just giant on this tiny metal chair with mm-hmm. his two giant arms behind him, still handcuffed, leaning forward, so uncomfortable. I was just losing my shit. It was one of the funniest images, along with Reacher and the team when they, um, in the flashback, when the guy gets shot outside the bar. Reacher in rubber gloves is one of the funniest things I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> like, it's like if you were to put rubber gloves on a silverback gorilla. Like, just think how yes. anachronistic that is. Like, it should be boxing gloves or, like, two fucking baseball mitts. Like, rubber gloves looks insane on a person that big. I was losing yes. my shit. It was so fucking funny. It was pretty funny. It like it just seemed absolutely like. And the thing is too, like, what I find so funny about this is like, there's no possible way. And I mean, Reacher as the character, I, I don't think is ever bothered by this, but there's no possible way he can hide. No, like he's no. just an absolute giant. Yeah. And wherever he goes, violence follows. And so like everyone knows that it's him. It's not that you know, it's not that hard to sort of to spot him but he also like doesn't care about that yeah well he naps while waiting to be arrested he's like sleep when you sleep like sleep when you can it's just like okay i guess you know this is an army guy he knows what to do but it's so funny in this season because i think they like i think he's bigger like he looks bigger than last. i think so too and it's so funny how slow he moves though megan (laughs) i know i know like it's it's always hilarious how people think, like, bodybuilders are, you know, the peak of physical mm-hmm. fitness because of mm-hmm. the way that they look, but get Although he did cardio, and it's, like, fucking dunzo, dude. Like, it ain't He happening. did hop that fence, though. Like, it was... 
nothing. Like, it and was just, it, like, like, a curb to walk over. Did you see it collapse underneath yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it's about, like, it was, it, like, that was impressive. I was like, okay, all right. Um, so it's just, it's interesting we're talking about him being on the spectrum and stuff. I've just looked up, like, on Wikipedia, like, the character biography. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and Lee Child has some interesting sort of thoughts uh, about him. What I think is really interesting about him, like, this is... Um, I think this is just like a, a sort of a fascinating thing, right? He's two things in one. On the surface, he's an ex-military cop who's suddenly dumped out into the civilian world. He doesn't fit in and he spends his time wandering America, seeing the things he's never had the time to see before. Mm-hmm. He's trying to stay out of trouble, but masterfully once a year getting into trouble. <laughs> he's also the descendant of a very ancient tradition, the noble loner, the knight errant, the mysterious stranger who has shown up in stories forever. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like this modern iteration. But the thing I think is the most interesting down here, and I think this is really true going back to like how he treats women. Lee Le- Le- Child also views Reacher as post-feminist, stating he does not parlay in gender distinction. He likes strong, realistic women, and he treats women with respect. He doesn't cut them any slack, but he also, also he has no negative preconceptions. If you're a woman, he will be your friend, but if necessary, he will kill you. Yeah, 100%. And like, I, that's respect a... That's to an- him is earned regardless of whatever shape size color whatever you are like yes he's a very like egalitarian creature in that way until you wrong him and then you're gonna fucking die (laughs) which is like why with that woman at the very beginning of the first episode he would have helped her if she had been a man in that same situation like there was no it wasn't because it was a damsel in distress no he doesn't expect anything from it he's just like this is the right thing to do yes a hundred percent And then, yet, the right thing to do is when you're being hunted by a group and you've been told by a cop to back the fuck off, you take a pipe bomb into a residential neighborhood in Queens and just start shooting up the place. (laughs) (laughs) My... My notes in this part are amazing. In all caps, he just bombs the house and then seven question marks. And then, Jesus Christ, this is nasty. That's what we live for, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Just, it's so bizarre, too, to wait this many episodes for the truly abominable violence this guy deals out on a daily basis. He, like... Yeah, he is... But this is the thing. I was going to say, like, in other iterations of this kind of character, he's looked at as, like, an anti-hero in so many yeah. ways, right? Like, he would be... I don't think Reacher is. Because I don't think he has the moral ambiguity... Greatness. Yeah, yeah. ...that an anti-hero would have. He's He is the protagonist in this show because he's going to do the right thing mm-hmm. and like these guys that are chasing him they killed his friends so he's going to kill them there's no there there's nothing in there that is going to stop him from doing that because that is the like that is the the consequence of the action i mean look no further than i need a gun i'm gonna go steal one from some drug dealers and throw their drugs down the drain like yeah that that's it to a T, right? Like he's not gonna smash and grab a gun store. That's not his vibe. He's gonna find a way to do something that he can morally work up against, which is so funny when he just punches out this cop and everybody's like, Jesus fucking Christ, Richard. Like mm-hmm. you've painted a huge target on all of us now when we were just trying to get this shit figured out 
and I love that they really razz him for his uh, his you know hair trigger finger that he has sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think too one of the things that the show I don't know that you'd be able to replicate it, which I love in the books, is Reacher's like internal monologue. Yeah. Um, his his internal monologue is always so fascinating because like he sets his internal alarm uh, and just like wakes up and knows exactly what time it is without like having to do anything and like in the when he's like you know walking up on a situation where he's gonna have to fight like 17 people Mm -hmm. he calculates it and it's so fascinating and I know the movies kind of tried to do that yeah I don't think they were all that successful but they tried it's just him in a braggadocious way saying you're gonna come at me and then I'm gonna punch your friend and yada 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 and that's he's not really a braggadocious guy he's very no He's very deadpan. I think this show really tries to turn that up a lot. Mm-hmm. But even that, I think, isn't necessarily him trying to be clever or funny. He's just telling you what he perceives to be as the truth. And so it's really hard to turn that into not a pedantic, constant monologue. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, it's... uh did a little bit in the first season. I remember having quibbles with him just, like, pedantically telling... uh, Not Roscoe. Who's the detective? Oh, um... Oh, what's his name? What's gonna come to me? Uh, Finley. Finley, yes. Like, just, like, quite pedantically having, like, a two- or three-minute monologue, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to school him and stuff. And it's like that nobody actually really talks like that, but they're trying to incorporate all of these inner thoughts he's having because otherwise there's no way the viewer knows them when you're trying to put it in television rather than on, on the page. So it makes sense. And they've dialed that down from last season which I do appreciate but he's also got other people that come to discoveries with on yeah and people who know him so he doesn't have to explain his way through his process yeah yeah every time um your text today about Robert Patrick made me cackle (laughs) oh god what did I say it was probably something you just said he looks terrible because he does yeah oh yeah in my notes I wrote like he looks like he's had a bad allergic reaction (laughs) like it looks like Robert Patrick swallowed the Terminator is what it looks like yeah like it's I mean it is what it is and people get old and you know whatever but it was like shocking it's jarring to see because I remember when he showed up in the X-Files and I was like okay yeah Uh, and watching it now as an adult I'm still like okay Mm -hmm. um but now it's just not that's not the same yeah there was something there used to oh this is really mean but there used to be something like striking about him even if he's not like super what we would I don't know, say yes. conventionally attractive. Yes, there was, agreed. There was something watchable about him and, and his charisma. And maybe it's just that he's not the right person to be cast as this villain. I don't know. It just, yeah, it was jarring to me. It feels it feels like he's a little bit too comical. Yeah. It, like, it's, it's, it's too funny, almost, to have him as this particular villain. Yeah. Even though he's really um, only been in, what, three scenes? Yeah. 
but I, I just yeah i'm just not buying it it's not he doesn't have the same sort of like gravitas that he would have had when he was younger yeah a hundred percent um and that's fine like things change and maybe maybe whoever they wanted was not the person maybe they weren't available or i don't know yeah um, it was actually um what's his name rory blah 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 from csi miami Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, and then I read that the other day that when I was looking at um, the casting stuff, just out of curiosity, and uh, it was supposed to be him, and then he had to drop out, I think, like, right at the start of filming for whatever, health reasons, I think, or something like that. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Um, And, you know, whatever, it is what it is. But he just, yeah, he didn't have that, like didn't have that you know i didn't who would be great here a don hmm. johnson oh my gosh yes right like somebody of that caliber where they're not so overtly recognizable in that way but also has the sense of gravitas that it would take to play off who is someone who is seemingly like a nameless faceless villain in this moment mm-hmm do you know what I was just thinking, too? Like, yeah, Don Johnson would be great. Do you know who else would be great in, like, a different way, but I think it would be fun, would be Tom Selleck? Oh, yes, 100%. 100%. Right? Because yes. he's got that presence, right? Where, like... Yes. You know, he, he's got that presence. You don't you don't have to explain. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like, it's just... Yeah, it, it that would be... Yeah, Robert Patrick maybe doesn't quite have that, that gravitas anymore. Like he's, um, he's, I think he's too far removed from when he had his sort of like big turn. Yeah, and I think he's more of you know he's he's the villain's number one guy. Yes, he's the right hand man, but he doesn't yes. play as the puppet pulling the strings. Right. The other guy that I was thinking of too, because I had the, this sort of same thought that I didn't know if I loved this casting choice. I can't remember the actor's name, um, but he was in uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy and Batman Begins. Um, I know exactly who you're talking The bad about. cop? Yep. Right? Whatever uh, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, he would be great, too. He would have that same, like, you know, because he's, he's one of those, he's Martin one of those guys. Jr. Yes. He's one of those guys that you know you've seen, and he's one of those guys that you believe is a bad guy. Yeah. At all times. Um, but he's, like, so you, like, he's recognizable in that way because he's a good character actor, but he's not, like, so recognizable that you're, like... You know, you're like, I don't buy this necessarily. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It doesn't take you out of it. Yeah, 100% I would have bought him as this guy. Although this guy is supposed to be like a corporate head honcho, which I don't think Mark Boone Jr. would necessarily. That's fair. But as that like villain, you know, like he's he's more the kind of guy, which is why like the Don Johnson or the Tom Selleck maybe is is more that like. Yeah, there's that persona. Yeah. That would work. Um, but like, I don't know, so far I'm super enjoying it. Oh God, I'm yeah. Oh God. So yeah. sad that it's not all of the episodes all at once, because I would have absolutely mainlined them. Oh, um, totally. I do, I do really enjoy this, though. Like, it, it's so tough when you mainline it, and then you know it's going to be two years. Yes. You know, and that's, that's always really tough. Like, I'm still just waiting for actual footage for Bridgerton season three like it's been over two years I think now so hasn't long. it like, it's been it so long January during the pandemic like it was a Maybe. long time ago um 
And that makes it, you know, that makes it tough when their streaming services are always talking about like retention and how much numbers they get. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but you can't take two years between fucking seasons of a show. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't. And if you're going way. to take two years, then you drop them all at once and be like, here you go, guys. Totally. Thanks for right? your patience. Like, yeah. And, you know, Grey's Anatomy has been on the air for 30 fucking years because they've got a consistent schedule. And guess what? They pump out fucking, what, 25 of those a year? You know? Yeah. Like, you gotta, yeah. you gotta give the people the content they crave. The first season, December of Bridgerton, tw- uh, December 25th, 2020, Christmas Day, 2020. Um, second oh, season, March 25th, 2022. And then... This one is, it, it got renewed for, okay, it got renewed for a third and fourth season in 2021. Fuck off. So I, like, and I realized there was a strike, there was things going on in, like, the recent past that could have, you know, but season three is, like, what, coming on in May? May. Yeah, two years later, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's nuts. It's nuts how they do But that. we're eating it up, so people are gonna, you know, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um... But yeah, I just, yeah, when is it, uh, I'm just trying to see, like, they had, I'm just looking here at, um, for season three, oh, this is on the Wikipedia, um, on the Wikipedia page, um, like, in October of 2022, somebody joined the cast, and it's now, you know, the end of 2023. Yeah, that's insane. Like, Also, it's raining right now outside my window. What? Yeah. Oh, no, that's gonna be hell tomorrow. Oh, you're yep. not driving anywhere tomorrow. You're fine. No. Yeah. It's going to be awful. Uh, so it's just, like, very distracting. It's very windy and very rainy. Um, but, yeah, so there's something about... And, I mean, I know the, the writer strike got in the way because they couldn't do any edits. You can't do any reshoots if, you know... Or the, the actor strike and the writer... Like, I get that. So, like, there's some delays in, in some of that production. But, like, you know, are we going to... We're going to get another season of Reacher, but is it going to be 2025 before it comes out? I don't think so, because I heard that they're shooting, like, now. Oh, that would be nice. I swear I read that. Maybe it was on IMDb. I don't know. Ooh, um, let's look it up. I just searched for Reacher Season 3, and it's the magazine Country Living website is the first thing that Country up. Living? Yeah. That's so funny. The first season was one of the top five most watched original seasons on Prime Video. So there I'm you go. I'm not surprised. It was great. Yeah. Oh yeah, December December second, he shared a video from set. Yeah, saying like they're, yeah, they're so they're, on it, they're filming. So that's that's wonderful, right? Like, that's cool. That's great. Hopefully, we're gonna um, get the uh, consistently consistency yeah, that more. we need. Well, and if they're only making eight episodes, it might be a little bit easier to do that too. Yeah, that's true. Um, I do. I do really enjoy. Like they're doing a really good job of adapting the books into something watchable because like one of the criticisms I would have about all of the books is that like they're as you saw with the two Tom Cruise movies they're not really great to adapt into films yeah. um there there's too much stuff that goes on like all of those fight scenes mm-hmm. that are you know in some of the books some of the fights are like 10 pages long yeah. Like you can't somehow shrink that down to in a two hour like runtime, but you can definitely do it in like an eight hour runtime. Totally. And a lot in of the time TV in the series. books, it's like, he's just fucking investigating, which is compelling yeah. to read. Yeah. But, but not, not to watch. But not to watch, right? 
Um, but yeah, so they're doing a pretty good job of that. And I hope that like the one, the one thing I would love to see them change would be to have some characters come back. Yeah. So like whatever ends up, I can't remember how this book ends and I don't want to like spoil it because obviously the season hasn't come out yet, but like, and I'm not going to look it up, but like, it would be nice to have some of those people that they encounter. Yeah. Um, aren't don't just vanish forever like if he ends up if one of the the next season if they end up back in new york city for something it'd be good to have you know the cops to nearly show up again or whatever just to like have that sort of thread through it yeah it would be great if russo was like even if he wasn't part of the investigation but he's now become a person that reacher can contact which is really that idea though is really interesting because in the first couple books remember he does i just reread them God, I think last winter. And remember, he has, like, a multiple book relationship with this woman that he has, like, a home with. Because her dad dies Mm -hmm. and leaves him his house. Yes. And he's, like, a senator and they, like, all grew up on the army base together or whatever. Yes. Like, there is is precedent for those types of relationships in the book. So I'd love for those stories to be on screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to have just a little bit more of, um, just to have a little bit more of him as, like, a human being. Yes, yes. Because that's the one thing from this season that you're getting with him having his old team back. And you can tell, because they're investigating the deaths of the other team members, that there was, like, an emotional attachment there to those people as well. A hundred percent. And he's reflecting a little bit when Neely kind of, like, pokes at him about how he's hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Um, you can see him reflecting on the way that he's been living and that like, if he had been reachable, he would have at least known that some things had happened. Like he doesn't know people, one of the guys died in an accident. A couple of them are married. Like Neely was talking about how good wedding, there was a chocolate fountain, whatever, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. the, the rest of the crew is still connected and he's the only one not connected and that's like yeah. he's really that realizing that that's an issue for him yeah and so to have in, in future seasons however many they end up doing if there's that connection with those people yeah however many of them are left i think it's a good thing to have totally. um because it shows that side of him that like we don't sort of get to see but it's funny like watching the four of them banter reminds me so much of like Uhtred and his merry men. Oh, 100%. When they're just, like, fucking yes. around, you know? And like, yes. the, and, like, the playing cards and the, this, like, all of that stuff, all those, like, normal things that people do, um, it just reminds me of that sort of... And you can tell that they, yeah, they haven't been together as a group in a very long time, mm-hmm. but they don't need to have been in order for them to fall back into... What that is, yeah. The dynamic what that means to them. That. Yeah, 100%. And it, even as, like, a smart just television move like there's no reason for your audience to be emotionally invested if your character is a robot who goes into towns does some vigilante shit and then walks away right like if if they're not being a human being and you don't care about them whatsoever Mm -hmm. you're not gonna continue to watch the show yeah well and it's interesting too because now that he's got these people back in his life it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing um in the next sort of iteration because, you know, like Neely has been obviously keeping tabs on him. Yes. And knows what he's been up to. 
because uh, that's one of the things that they talk about right at the beginning of like it's been this long since Alabama and this and this and this like all these sorts of things yeah. um, but it'll be interesting to see if Dixon and what's your guy's name O'Donnell O'Donnell yeah yeah, if, if they, and I, I legitimately don't remember, but if they make it out of this, it'll be interesting to see if they're also going to keep tabs on him in that same kind of way. Totally. Um, just to kind of, like, check in and, like, and not so much that they're going to keep tabs on him, but, like, follow these weird bouts of unexplained violence yeah, <laughs> all across well, the country. because Dixon even said, like, she was engaged, and then she was, like, it just felt wrong. Like, and she, she talks about, essentially, how her lifestyle is essentially how Reacher lives his lifestyle, too. And how yeah, she which, feels like that is more natural and normal to her. And you're like, a ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. Let's fuck. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, and that's maybe what this is, like, going to Leading sort of culminate in. Yeah. And that's fine, too. Because at least then that's somebody that understands his life. Yeah. And the way that he lives. And that if he's gone for a while, he's gone for a while. But it doesn't, it has nothing to do with, like, her, the other person yeah. or even himself right it's yeah. just like this is the the way that he's chosen to exist which is not how roscoe and he could have functioned whatsoever no no um but it's funny because in reading i've read i think all of the books except like the most recent um i've always wanted him to like you know somehow venture back to a place it didn't matter where mm-hmm. but to go back to one of the places that he's been before Totally. Uh, and not necessarily to, like, stay, but, like, he's on a bus somewhere and, like, he sees the sign. And just passes And he's, like, it. and passes through or, or gets off and catches the next bus out and, like, you know, yeah. walks around town for a little bit. Like, I've always wanted him to do that. A hundred percent. Like, go back to Margrave and see what's happened in the town that... Yeah. Whose corruption he destroyed and literally burned to the ground. Like... Yeah. That'd be fascinating. But, again, I think, I think that's that, like, moral black and white... that he lives by because to him it doesn't matter job done yeah the job's done and it's over and like i think it's sort of his his assumption is like he's done his job Mm -hmm. and so the corruption is gone so it's not coming back totally and so he doesn't have to necessarily go back and check in but yeah in reading some of the books i've always wanted him to like go back somewhere yeah and just like check in on some because in some of them he spends you know he doesn't usually spend more than about a week 10 days, yeah, maybe, maximum, in one of these places. Maximum. But in some of the books, he spends a lot of time with, like, a particular person. Yes. Depending on what the circumstances are. And I've often, like, I, he's not unfeeling and uncaring. And so I've, that's why when I read sometimes, I'm like, it would be nice if he mm-hmm. went back to, like, check on what was happening. Yeah, 100%. With some of those people. And he's not going to call because he doesn't have a phone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so he'd have to go. Although and I just, yeah. he have Neely's number memorized. He did. He did have Neely's number memorized. Well, of course he had Neely's number memorized. He memorizes everything. Like, he doesn't have... He doesn't own anything. Just not even a toothbrush anymore. (laughs) Those fuckers. (laughs) Which is so funny. But no, like, his whole way of being is just so fascinating. And, like, I like that this season is getting... Like, we see it a little bit more, but also we get to see how absolutely absurd it is in comparison with people who have, like, jobs and families, but people who came from the same military background that he did. Yes, 100%. And who, like, he literally lived and worked with for years. Years, yes. really nothing of this ever rubbed off on him, which makes him such an interesting character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's absolutely a unicorn. But yeah, so far, so far, so good. Super love that they this that Lee Child decided to like move away from the movie 
thing. Because yeah. he he did, he, they made the movies, and I remember reading something, and he said something about how, like, Tom Cruise was such a delight to work with, but that in the end, the readers were right, and yeah. that Jack Reacher had to be a giant. Yes. And Tom Cruise is not a giant. A hundred percent. And it felt like he, overall wasn't necessarily unhappy with the adaptations of his books because they are quite faithful to them. They are. And they made money and they're fine to watch, right? Like, and Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. Like, he's fucking watchable and he's a delight on screen. And and he's a good action hero. Absolutely, right? Like, he, if you're going to cast somebody as an action hero, like, just the, other than him being five foot seven, he's very believable. Totally, totally. Like, there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with those movies but it's not necessarily who reacher is which is so nice how this show is just called reacher too it's brilliant yes um yeah because it's not it doesn't have to be jack reacher it should just be reacher yeah um although i did write a very funny note that only you will appreciate now that that reminds me before we need to wrap up here because i can feel chris needing to get ready for bed because um, I'm in the closet. Um, <laughs> where was it? Jack Reacher doesn't have a middle name, but if he did, it ain't subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, but no, Jack Reacher officially does not have a middle name. Uh, his middle name is Jack Nunn Reacher. Like, he does not have one. That is, that is all he is. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. It's it's the best thing. So, so far, these three episodes, uh, I'm super impressed. And, like, am I going to watch them weekly? I haven't decided yet. I might just wait. We'll see. I might oh, try and okay. save well, them. we're going to have to coordinate then. We're going to yeah. have to figure it out. Because, you know, if, if I watch them a week after a week after a week after, mm-hmm. it's all down the memory drain, baby. <laughs> it's true. Or, the, or I was thinking maybe if there's, like, there's five left, maybe, like, three and two or something like that. Oh, yeah. We could definitely do that. Um, cause yeah, it would be good to, to do that. Um, and then, yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about, uh, what's coming in this season. Cause I also really like this book. Yes. Too. This is one of the best books I think other than I think Die Trying is another great one and Night School is another great one when it's him. I love the ones when it's him back in, um, the army. Those ones are yes. always really fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, before we go, we I did my hockey podcast earlier today, and we always do these like highly uh, personal questions, which this isn't a super highly personal question, but it was like Steve's idea to sort of end things off with something that wasn't hockey related. And we've asked all kinds of questions. Like, here's a question that we asked: um, if you were if your partner and their same gender parent like did like a body swap, and you slept with them, would that be cheating? That was a question that we asked yes. once. Um, anyway, it was like, you know, things like that. But anyway, today our question, it was not like a highly personal question, but it was about Christmas because Christmas is coming up. What is a thing, like a family tradition, whether it's like from, you know, growing up or now or whatever that you do that you, that you think other people would think is weird? Oh. It's like a a thing. Cause Uh. mine and my mom thinks this is weird and I've been doing this for years and like I'm 40, but for breakfast on boxing day. I always have a bowl of mashed potatoes and stuffing and gravy. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't think that, that's But weird my mom, oh, my mom thinks it's so bizarre. She's like, don't you want real breakfast? I'm like, no, leave me alone. I want to get out of bed at one o'clock and eat 
potatoes and stuffing. Like, just let's not. How is that? It's the same food that you would eat at breakfast. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's hot. You know, you're not wrong. It's toast and and potatoes and uh, yeah, gravy, biscuits and and gravy. You're not meat juice, right? Like, it could be anything at that point. But I've been doing this for years and years and years. And my mom, like, I think the thing she thinks is weird about it now is that I eat it in bowls. No, that's Um, also fine. I know because eating everything, everything tastes better in a bowl, but that's like to me. And the other thing that I think people think is bizarre just because of my family circumstance is it's just the three of us. And like, we just do a very, very quiet little Christmas, just the three of us. Uh, and we like usually buy our own presents and then wrap them up because nobody likes buying presents for anybody. Um, and we just kind of like do our thing, you know, and I, there, every once in a while I'll talk about it at work and people are like, that's so weird. Like, don't you guys have, like, a thing that you do? I'm like, no, we just, like, I open a a book on Christmas Eve and I go to bed and read and then we get up and open some presents. Like, it's a very quiet existence. Yeah, I think that, I'm trying to think of what mine would be. The trick is, and this might be the answer, though, the trick is that when you come from, like, as a married couple, we're two divorced families. Like, each of our parents are divorced. So for a long time, it was trying to do four Christmases. with four different families i've seen that movie it did not end well no in sometimes like a 24 hour period hopefully in like a 72 hour period but that that was always just like just racing from house to house to house to house to house to the point where like you don't really have any traditions whatsoever because you never had enough time to sort of make them and that became the tradition was like the same dinner here, the same dinner there, the same dinner there sort of thing. So mm-hmm. we're we're trying to buck that. We're trying to buck that in a way and, you know, make some consistent things. Um, I'll, I'll answer for my husband and say that him not wanting to do any Christmas stuff and just sit down and watch NBA basketball all on <laughs> Christmas Day is really fucking weird and I hate it. <laughs> so thanks, NBA, for ruining another holiday. Just yeah. like football ruined Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's just one of those things. And like at school, you know, we, we had like a winter carnival last, last weekend. Um, not a Christmas thing because lots of our kids and in our people in our community don't celebrate Christmas. And we call it, you know, Lynn, we're very careful to call it like winter break instead of Christmas break and mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Just because for some people like Christmas is a non-starter, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but it's always interesting, like, I'll ask my kids, you know, like, what do you do over these two weeks? You know, like, what are, what do you do, like, in, in your family? And, like, everyone, you know, there'll be some kids, like, oh, well, we do this and this, we go see my grandma, we go do this. And, like, some of our kids who don't celebrate Christmas, their parents have, like, started, they, they'll do some presents or, or that kind of thing. Um, but I've got some kids who will be like, oh, well, we always, we don't really celebrate, but, like, on Christmas Eve, we go and we serve, like, a meal at from somewhere yeah a mission and, and stuff like that yeah which i think is always really really cool yeah. um and then other kids are like oh this one kid i asked him last week i was like what do you guys do and he's like oh me and my brother we always like whatever game like some kind of video game it doesn't matter what it is that they wait until christmas to play because oh, they have the time idea. off and so then they just he's like we'll stay up for like three days and just like play through the whole thing mm-hmm and he's like, and I look forward to it, especially now that, like, he's in university, so I don't see him as much, and, you know, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. It's just kind of like this nice little, this nice little time 
mm-hmm. people get to spend with their families and and stuff. But yeah, that was what I asked today. And Avery was like, well, we don't really, it's not really a big thing in our house. He's like, but one time on December the 23rd, he went to a friend's house uh, and this friend is from Newfoundland and in Newfoundland they celebrate a thing called Tibbs Eve, which is just like an absolute like kitchen party drunk fest. I was going to um, say, I know exactly what this is going to be. Yes, and Avery, uh, that was his first encounter with someone dressed as a mummer. <laughs> and he was like, it was terrifying. He's like, as a black man? He's like, that was a terrifying thing. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, And context. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Context. So important. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was good. Well, that's, we, you're coming to Edmonton at some point in time in January. Correct. And so we're going to try and do an in-person. That would be very fun. Correct. Hopefully the Friday night, because it sounds like I have to come back for a Christmas party that Saturday. Yeah, I can do Friday night. I have no plans. Uh, So we'll get to do an in-person one, which hopefully we will... uh, Maybe I'll text Mike and get some questions and see if uh, he can make Kelsey cry again. Oh, great. That would be wonderful. Um... Yeah, so anyway, I hope everybody has a nice holiday and all of those sorts of things, whatever it is that you do in this upcoming time off, in that weird mishmash between, you know, December 20th and uh, the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm still expected to work until Friday, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how much work gets done this week. I don't You'll know. You'll make it through. You'll make it um, through. If you're traveling, please, please drive safely. Never trust Highway 2. Just, like, be... Ugh. Be careful out there. Always take your time, please, God. Yeah, it's real bad. Apparently the highway was closed yesterday for a while um, because there was freezing rain and some other stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, be be safe. Be safe. And honestly, if you don't want to go spend time with your family, just use bad roads as the excuse. Like, sorry, it's not safe. We're not coming. A hundred percent. And that's a full sentence. You don't have to explain anything beyond that protect yourself it's true um and like you know sleep in watch some tv watch some christmas movies watch reacher yes watch reacher it's great listen to us we're not wrong (laughs) this is a great show and if you haven't already just please somebody just watch the last kingdom and tell me that you did that's all i need just just one person time you've got the time it's wonderful so much time um anyway that is you can find us on the internet and places just search for us the garbage fire podcast um, we've got an email address and an Instagram and some other stuff. And, um, as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster.